doing well? Turn to someone and say, you look really good. Okay, now do it and act like you mean it. So I was standing with a group of men, and we were talking some theological stuff, you know, that deep, heavy stuff. And someone, someone brought up, I guess because in the flow of things it made sense. I don't even remember that part of it. But in the flow of things, they, they said, well, then, well, that, that's like the chicken and the egg. What came first? And, of course, then they started having a discussion on what came first, the chicken or the egg. Quite a conundrum, right? <laughs> and I was just listening at this point. One of the men had a young boy who was standing beside him. And the boy, in great confidence, just piped up and said, well, I know, it had to be the chicken. And one of the men pushed back and to put the boy in his place, evidently, says, well, where did the chicken come from if there was no egg? Now the boy understood the conundrum and thought, hmm, that is true. Where does that? And, and, and there was confusion on his face, and I... I felt bad for him, and I was about to say something, but then just this clarity just came all over him. He says, well, obviously, it was the chicken. And all the men said, well, how is that possible? And he says, because the Bible says that God made the animals who then had the eggs. <laughs> and he said it with such clarity and such uh, understanding that everyone was surprised and probably ashamed a bit. <laughs> like, okay, this isn't hard. The Bible says. And I believe that's important if we understand what the Bible says. This morning, we celebrate the risen, the, the risen Savior. Jesus came out of the tomb. He was dead for three days. He rose again. The world doesn't see that. I mean, have you gone to Walmart? There's not a lot of empty tombs up and down the aisles. It's Easter eggs and Easter eggs and candies and Easter eggs and Easter eggs. Candies are good. I'm good with that. But Easter eggs. And even the Easter eggs is fun, you know. Let the kid play and do all that. But it's so much more than just that. I want to talk to you this morning about Easter eggs. Hey, great. That's going to be spiritual. But not the Easter egg you're thinking. You know, in games and in videos and in movies, they have these things they actually call Easter eggs. Easter eggs are little surprises. Things that are put in there that nobody knows are there that will surprise them and say, wow, I didn't realize that. Do you realize the very first Easter egg was in a, a game that Atari, <laughs> how many know even what Atari is? Okay, come on. Well, so if you don't, that's just disturbing. Anyway, Atari, and then uh, they had a game called Moonlander. And Moonlander <laughs> was, was this very... Very simple game. That's what we used to do. Come on. <laughs> so he had, had this uh, Moonlander. And in this game, you see, the, the thing was that the designers and the people that write, wrote it wanted to put their name in. They said, no, no, no. You, don't, you just design. We don't even want your name anywhere because they're afraid they'll use that as leverage to get more money or whatever. I, I don't know. And so what happened is this one designer designed this Easter egg that if you flew that ship at a certain place, at a certain time, you would see the golden arches, which is always God's will, McDonald's right there. And if you landed this, your spaceship, moon landing, the land on the moon, if you landed it just right, then the astronaut would come out of the ship and would walk into McDonald's, and a little menu, McDonald's menu, would pop up that says created by, <laughs> and have his name on it. Well... When, when Atari found out, because it was a year after that he had already moved on and he wasn't working there, and when, when Atari found out, they said, what are we going to do? 
We're going to have to stop this. We're going to have to re-release the entire game, which all the money people said, no, that's not going to happen because that's too much money. And then a very smart uh, director, very smart uh, senior programmer said, no, 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 let's do this. We'll just call them Easter eggs. And we'll act like we always designed it that way. And to this day, if you find these little Easter eggs in your games and your videos and like that, it's because of a mistake, because someone wanted to be recognized. It was a surprise, certain along. But I want to share with you an earlier, a much earlier Easter egg. You can actually find it in the King James Version. And in the King James Version, at that time, King James, who was authorizing the Bible to be written, he was good friends with William Shakespeare. About the same time. And so what happened was William Shakespeare's birthday was coming up. He was 46. So if you will right now, no, no, actually, don't do it right now because everyone will be flipping through their Bibles. If you look at Psalms 46 in the King James Version and you go 46 words down, you'll find the, uh, the word shake. And then if you go from the bottom of Psalms 46 and you go 46 words up, you'll find the word spear for his 46th birthday. <laughs> An Easter egg, a, a sort of a, a, a silly thing. But long before that, <laughs> there was an Easter egg. There was a surprise. You see, Easter was ultimately about surprise. It was about, even though it shouldn't have been, Jesus told them, I'm going to die, I'm going to be in the tomb for three days, and I'm going to rise again. It couldn't have been simpler, but sometimes it's hard to hear and to see what God's saying. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you're just thinking, ah, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on. But Easter was always supposed to be a surprise. God loves to surprise. He loves to give us Easter eggs, surprises in our life. And he's still surprising us. I believe he's still doing it. And I believe he's going to do that this morning. Are you ready for an Easter egg surprise? Are you ready for a surprise that God's going to do something that you didn't expect? You say, well, I expect God to do this. You know what that means? That's great faith. Because hang on to that because that means God's going to do something more. Because I'm convinced God loves to surprise us with his love. Loves to surprise us. You know, Jesus was actually surprised. But if you look carefully through the Gospels, you'll find that he was surprised by usually just one thing. One thing really surprised him and always had to do with faith. He was surprised at the, the soldier that said, hey, I know your power and I know your authority. If you just speak the word, you don't even have to go touch my son and he will be healed. And Jesus was surprised. He's <laughs> like, wow, that's amazing. He was also surprised at the lack of faith, usually the disciples, who should have known better and thought, I cannot believe that you, you, are, you don't get it. I cannot believe that you're not open. Easter is about surprises and revealing what God wants to do in our life. Are you ready to receive that? Are you ready to receive what God wants to do? Are you ready to receive and say, God, what do you have for me? So this morning, God has an Easter egg surprise. God has a surprise for you, something that he's going to do. I believe that with all my heart. Mark 15, 44. It says that Pilate, who was in charge of the crucifixion, Pilate was surprised to hear that Jesus was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus was really already dead. Because you see, he got a report. Pilate was the governor. Pilate was the one that says, okay, you're But you see, the crucifixion was not about a quick death. No, no, no. The crucifixion was about hanging there, suffocating slowly. It took hours and hours and hours and sometimes even days 
they would hang on the cross, trying to catch their breath. And so when Pilate heard that Jesus was already passed away, that he was already dead, he thought, this can't be. This, this is not true. This is, there's no way that this is true. So he called the centurion who said, hey, you were in charge of making sure this man died. You were in charge of crucifixion. You were in charge to make sure he suffered for days. What happened? And he said, he just died. He just, he just died. You see, Jesus did not die from suffocation, which was a lack of, of air. And that's what they would do. You would push up on your, with your feet and try to breathe. And eventually, after a long time, you would suffocate. Jesus did not die that way. He laid down his life. He chose when to give up. He chose when to give his life. You see, he was always in charge. The world is surprised when they find out that God is in charge. The world is surprised when they find out, wait, 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 there's, there's, there's somebody running this? There's something going on? There's a bigger plan than my world and, and what's going on? Jesus laid down his life. First John 3.16. Now, we know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for, for anyone believing in him. So God's love is yet. We know John 3.16. But do you know 1 John 3.16? Because it is, the, it is the, uh, the, the, the pair that goes along with John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says, this is how you know what love is. God said that he sent his only son because he loves the world. And then this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for you. He laid down his life for us. He gave it willingly. It wasn't taken from him. It wasn't because the Romans were mean and bad and they nailed him to a cross. No, no, no. Jesus chose. Jesus laid down his life. God was always in control. You see, the biggest surprise was that Jesus willingly and intentionally laid down his life. This morning, I want to talk about surprised by love. Surprised by the love that we have in Jesus Christ. See, the world thought he was dead. Everyone thought he was dead. Surprise! <laughs> it's not over. <laughs> the world thought it's finished. The world thought, finally, we can move on. Finally, the, the, the religious leader said, finally, this is over. Surprise! It's not. He was alive. He was not dead. He died, but then he rose again. You see, I was in Uganda on a missions trip working with some children in the orphanages there. And uh, we took a little bit of break and, and, and went to the little tributary of the Nile River, actually, in Uganda. And it goes to this incredible waterfall. And they would tell us, they said, if, if we're really uh, lucky, then we can, we can see a rainbow. Most times we can because the rainbow, the waterfall, and the rainbows is there. He says, if, if we're really, really blessed, then maybe we can see a double rainbow. How many have ever seen a double rainbow? It's incredible. Yeah, right. So we're there, and we're watching this, and we're going, oh, wow. And it was not only a single, it was a double. <laughs> you know, sort of like Tampa Bay Rays, man. That's all they do. But anyway, so, so it was a double. It was, it was incredible. And then our breath just seemed to, we just seemed to catch our breath. Because there was a storm that was dark clouds. In fact, I thought it was going to stop our trip, going to stop the boat and make us go back. Big, huge waterfall. A storm came over. And before our very eyes, we saw a triple rainbow. It was, it, I, I didn't get a picture because everyone was just so stunned. We were just looking. We were all surprised that God gave us right there in front of us beautiful three rainbows, triple rainbow. And I believe God still wants to give triple rainbows. 
And I believe he wants to surprise us. See, we think we understand. We think this is what religion is. This is what God is. This is what's going on. We think we got it. But I'm telling you, God has a surprise for you. God loves you. Jesus, Jesus, here's my first thought. Jesus surprised by love with forgiveness. On the cross. On the cross. See, the soldier, the soldier was surprised. The soldier stood there and saw the sky grow pitch black. Felt the earthquake. Maybe heard or, 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 or was reported the veil that was torn in the temple from the top. A, a veil three foot deep that opened up the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was, was supposed to show, showing that everyone had access, heard all these things, saw all these things. The tombs, it says, opened up. <laughs> and it says some of the, some of the, uh, the uh, uh, people that had recently died walked right out of the tombs. Did you realize that? Jesus died, and all of a sudden the tombs were opened up. Come on. And then, can you imagine, can you imagine maybe three years, four years ago, your father passed away, and all of a sudden you hear a knock on the door, and you open it up, whoa, there he is. He's walking around. He's going to die again. That's a surprise. <laughs> you know, that's a surprise. Families reunited. It was an incredible moment. He saw all this. But you know what moved him? Do you know what just changed everything? He saw forgiveness. He heard what everyone was saying to him. He saw Jesus on the cross dying, and then he heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, because they don't really understand what they're doing. Such love. Oh, my goodness. Luke 23, 47 says, The centurion, seeing what happened, praised God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he praised God. We, we skipped that. You know, you ever seen um, the greatest story ever told, you know, with, uh, it was a, like the first attempt to sort of explain the crucifixion and such, and they had John Wayne playing the centurion. I'm probably the only one that knows that, right? John Wayne played the centurion. Seth, can you do a good John Wayne for us? <laughs> no, no, just kidding. Because <laughs> I know you can. <laughs> and, and, and the centurion said, surely this was the righteous man. <laughs> okay, that's the best John Wayne I could do. That's it. That's all you get, right? He just said, but what he was saying, he, he was praising God, the centurion, who's in charge of making sure, I'm going to make sure you die. I'm going to make sure you die painfully. I'm going to make sure it's going to be hours and hours and hours and hours. And he's the one that all of a sudden is now praising God and saying, this was a righteous man. What moved him? Earthquake, that probably freaked him out. The darkness, people walking out of tombs, okay, that freaked me out. I'm just saying but I think what moved him was when he saw the forgiveness. He saw the love. He saw all that going on. You know one of the funniest verses in the Bible to me is after the resurrection, the disciples were in a, the room, and they were still very much afraid because they didn't understand what it meant that Jesus died. See, you can know that Jesus died, and you can know that he rose again, but do you understand what that means for you? And so what happened is they were in this locked room, and all of a sudden, I love John says it twice. He says, all of a sudden, even though the doors were locked, Jesus appeared. <laughs> like, okay, he could get out of a tomb, <laughs> he can roll the stone away, but those locked doors, that's tough, and you can't open that door. <laughs> I just find that hysterical. They were all surprised. Wow, I think they were surprised that Jesus could walk through the locked door, because John mentioned it twice in his gospel, saying that he walked right through the doors. That's just crazy. But you know what? 
Sometimes we have locked doors, do we not? Little rooms of unforgiveness and little rooms of failures and little rooms of I don't think I can do this and little rooms of pain and little rooms of hurt that we keep locked away down in our heart. And Jesus walks right through them. Because we think I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I can't act this way, I, can't, I, I, I don't know how to be what God wants me to be. And he just walks right through the door say, I'm here for you. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing this morning. So Jesus not only was surprised with his forgiveness, he surprised by love with sacrifice. You see, I'm convinced that the enemy of God, the enemies of God, were surprised by his love, but they were most surprised at the fact that he was actually willing to die. That he was actually willing to die for you. <laughs> that he was actually willing to die for me. I think it's, it's amazing if you, if you see this. Now, anything in the Bible, when it's repeated, pay attention. When it's repeated three times, okay, this is important. We need to, But you'll find over and over and over in the gospel readings, this repeated over and over. It says that the pastor buyers said, what did they say? What did they record down? What, were they, what hurls, what insults did they say? Save yourself. Save yourself. The religious leaders, what did they say? Save yourself if you're really something, if you're really God. The soldiers themselves said, save yourself. Even the thief on the cross was yelling insults at Jesus, saying, save yourself, over and over and over. You see, I believe that the enemy, that Satan believed that Jesus was God. I mean, he knew it. He'd been working on him for 33 years and never sinned. He knew that he was, could, probably understood about Mary and everything. He knew that he was the Son of God. He believed that. But I don't know if he actually believed until the end that he would give his life for us while we were sinners, that he would actually die for us even in my sin. Romans 5.8 puts it so well. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, while you still were in your sin, throwing insults at Christ, Christ died for us. Wow. I, I, I can't hardly even imagine that. And I think the enemy was like, was like, let's crucify him. And then he thought somewhere halfway through, it, like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this, this is not going well. We, we need to get him off the cross. We need to get him to stop. And he was willing, because of his love, to go to the very end and die for us. <laughs> Jesus died for all the rejected, all those that aren't good enough, all of those that are still in your sin. Such love. Such love. Such wondrous love. God would love a sinner such as I. Such love. I'm reminded of the song, is it, how wondrous is his, his love like this? Owed him that nobody knows. But it came out of the Second Awakening in the um, early 1800s. And the Awakening was a revival that swept across America, that just emptied out the the saloons, and stopped all the fighting. The violence was out of control in 1811. <laughs> you think it's bad now? It was totally out of control. 
and revival swept every, everywhere. And you know what? It doesn't surprise me. This is an old, old spiritual song that comes out of the South. And it talks about being free. It talks about no longer being slaves. And you know what? I think when we understand his love, then we'll find the awakening. We'll find the revival. I mean, you look at TV and you look at the murders and kids killing kids right here in Florida. And you just, your heart just breaks and you just think, wow, and just crazy stuff and corporate stuff. And you're just thinking, what is, this is nuts. What is going on here? You know what? We'll change it all. You know what? will bring revival. You know what? will change America. Such love. Sacrifice. Of understanding what he did for us. Understanding how he loves us. Here's my last thought. Jesus, surprised by love with such compassion... I don't think we really understand his compassion. I don't think we really understand his kindness, what he's done. You see, there, the crucifixion was always about three crosses, always three. Make sure you always get that. The story's about three. I, over and over, what I emphasize here is get the story. If you understand the story, you can understand all the, the ramifications of it. It's always about three crosses. Jesus in the middle, replacing the one that should have died, me, you, and the two thieves on the right and left. One chose well. One chose death. It's always about three crosses. Even to this day, it's about three crosses. He cared so much. Mark 15, 32. It says, those crucified with him also heat insults <laughs> on him. Both of them. You get, you get that? Both of them. Both of them were yelling at him. Both of them were saying, save yourself. Both of them were rejecting. Both of them were, were, were pushing, reviled Jesus and rejected him on the cross. But then somewhere in that, watching Jesus on the cross and his love and his compassion and his forgiveness, when they watched it, one of them was surprised by love. My prayer this morning is that you are surprised by love, that it breaks through whatever pain or hurt or failure or hardness might be in your life. He was, they were, one was surprised by love because maybe they heard, maybe he heard a part of the song. What I teach very often is that you have to understand, people say, Greg, why would Jesus say, uh, my God, my God, why you have, have you forsaken me? Because it was the first line in the song. Because... I believe, and, and most scholars do as well, is that Psalm 22, if you read it, that's the first line. And you can see, and you go through it, and you can see over and over again all the things that the gospel writer said that Jesus said, he was actually seeing. You see, the sweetest song, the most tender song, the most powerful song that's ever been sung in the world, and we miss it. Jesus was singing. Psalms were never said in the first century. You would never say a song. You would always sing it. Even now, if I say, hey, you remember this song? And then I wouldn't just give you the words. I would sing the song. <laughs> Somewhere in there, even though the gospel writers don't include it, I think he might have sung verse 5 of Psalms 22. At least I think so. Because in verse 5, it says this. To you they cry. I wish I would 
could sing it, but everyone would leave screaming. <laughs> to you, they cried out. They were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put ashamed. And I think the thief on the cross heard that. Something stirred in his heart. And he thought, maybe if I cry out, maybe if I ask, He'll forgive me. And he turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That was a clear act of faith because he had to believe that Jesus was going to come into a kingdom, that he was a king, that he was the king. And that act of faith was everything. He said, Greg, I don't know what to say. Try this. God, remember me because I am lost without you. God, remember where I'm at. Remember what happened to me. Remember how I'm hurting. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Because this is what you got to get. We, you and I, are the thieves. And our only choice is are we the one on the right or are we the one on the left? Because that is the only choice we can make. Because we deserve nothing else. But he died for us. The question is, which one are you? And can you hear his song of love this morning? For you. For your life. For your family. For your marriage. For your health. For everything. For your very soul. He's singing for you. That is quite an Easter egg of surprise. Do you receive the word this morning? Come on, give God thanks. With nobody moving, just a minute. I'm, we're going to just got a little bit more, but I just want to pray for you. Can I do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single soul here. And God, if there's anybody, anybody that is trying to make that choice, or maybe they made the choice a long time ago, but they know they're not living for you. God, that right now, in your love, in your mercy, in your grace, in your compassion, in your forgiveness, that you would just sing the song of salvation to each one. And that, Father, that they would come to the point where they say, Jesus, remember me. I need you in my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. God, I'm praying that for every single person here. With everybody, nobody looking around. This is between what God's doing in your life. I want to pray for anyone and everyone that says, Greg, that's me. I just want to have, add my faith to your faith. That says, Greg, would you pray with me? Because I need to get my life right with God. I need Jesus to forgive me. Maybe you say, I don't know how to do it. I don't know all the words. I don't know all the right things to do. But it's as simple as saying, God, forgive me. Come into my life. Can I pray with you? With every head bowed and no one looking around, this is what I want you to do. If that's you, if that's you, say, Greg, pray with me. I just want you to look up and look at me. And we're going to join together. Okay? 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 How many others? Okay. Anyone else? Father, man, I'm so grateful for your mercy in my life. I 
couldn't even stand up here if it wasn't for you. Thank you for forgiving me. And Lord, I'm praying for every single person that looked at me and that we'll join our faith together, that you will touch them, that you'll forgive them, that you'll cleanse them, that no sin can separate them from your love. And that, Father, as far as the east is from the west, you'll remove all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the failure and all of the sin and bring him into a right new relationship with you. God, I'm believing that. And I want everyone that will to pray with me and say, Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I give you my heart and my life this Easter morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. God is so good. God is so good.